0: This is the Morning Rush.
1: Coming up on today's show, the Wizards make their push for a playoff spot in the East. More injury issues for the Pirates as if they need more issues. We put a wrap on the West Virginia High School Basketball State Tournament. And we have some controversy at the Kentucky Derby. (gasps) Oh! Say it ain't so. It is so. And we'll talk about it. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the Morning Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work week. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. uh, Check out our Twitter pages, at ESPN Morning Rush. My Twitter page, at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages, free and open to the public. Feel free to like them, follow them, and uh, reach out and communicate. Got a question, a comment, an opinion. Drop me a line. It's all good. In the hood. Taking your calls on the rush line. 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show, every day. Minus commercials. Just for your listening convenience. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, discombobulated this morning. It's a Monday, which means anything that can go wrong uh, will go wrong. So I'm trying to get myself uh, still sorted out. I generally like to get myself sorted out, you know, before the show starts. Today, uh, not so much. Technical issues, equipment issues. But I think I have everything squared away, at least for for now. We'll see what happens. If something breaks down during the show, uh, in particularly me, <laughs> you'll be the first one to know. All right, let's kick off today's show. We kick off every show of The Rock Around the Region. I want to rock! And we start with Major League Baseball, where the Nationals will be more than happy to get out of the Bronx. 2-2 game, bottom of the ninth. Chance to win it. It's short,
2: and through for face hit, and the Yankees win. 3-2, Stanton with an RBI
1: single. The call on the Yes Network, second straight walk-off win for the Yankees over the Nats to take two of three in the series in New York. Kyle Schwarber, a two-run homer for Washington, uh, which has lost five of six. Mister Stanton, the big fella, with the walk-off hit for the Yankees uh, yesterday, and he spoke with the Yes Network uh, after the big hit.
3: John Carlo, how difficult is it in that situation with the game on the line to not expand the zone and wait for a pitch that you can hit?
4: Um, uh, yeah, I did expand on one pitch, but you know, you get you get three in that situation, so it's really. It's really about being calm and knowing he has to come to me uh, and, and get a good pitch to hit.
3: Do you like coming up in those situations with the game on the line?
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's it. That's everything you worked for. That's. Uh that's the, the the highest competition in the world and the, and the biggest moment. So, uh, you know, it's always good to have a challenge like that.
3: Glaber hit his first home run of the season. Was it nice to see him get his power stroke back a little bit? And how much do you think that was weighing on him?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two huge hits yesterday for us by Glaber. And then, uh, you know, things like that happened today. He's, get, he's got his first homer and uh, it's going to continue to go up from here.
3: Overall, how do you evaluate this homestand? And is there a different feel in that clubhouse right now?
4: Uh, these are two huge wins, uh, especially with the long day yesterday and and the getaway day today into, into an off day. So uh, and, a, and a series win as well. So uh, it'll be good, and we'll take it into
1: Tampa. The Yankees are seven and two on their nine game home stand, and yes, they do indeed head south to take on the rival Rays. Uh, both teams, the Yanks and the Rays, uh, three and a half games behind. First place, Boston. As I mentioned, the Nationals, they have lost 5 of 6. They're still in last place in the NL East. Uh, Speaking of last place, the Pirates were trying to avoid getting swept out of the Windy City.
5: Here's Defoe, and he swings in, ropes one out to right toward that corner. Hayward looking back, and it hits off the Ivy, banging off that brick wall behind it. Joey Cora is waving around Gonzalez. The throw comes in. It's offline up the third base line. And Gonzalez scores on Wilmer Defoe's RBI triple. The Pirates lead 5-1.
1: Joe blocked the call on the Pirates' radio network. 6-5 the final as the Pirates almost blow the lead. They don't. They win the game. They held off a late Cubs rally to avoid the sweep. Three hits, three RBI for Wilmer Defoe as the Bucs won for just the third time in the last 20 games At Wrigley Field. Now, before the game, the Pirates placed first baseman Ian Moran on the 10-day injured list with a strained left groin. Ouch. And third baseman Key Brian Hayes was moved from the 10-day IL to the 60-day IL. A Pirates also DFA pitcher Michael Feliz. And the Orioles are on the verge of getting swept after a 4-3 loss to the Red Sox at Camden Yards. Cedric Mullins homered for the O's, who have dropped the first three of the four-game series. Baltimore is now a major league worst, 4-13 at home this season. So much for their friendly confines, including 0-6 at home against the Bo Sox. And tonight in the NBA. The Wizards will try to hold on to that ninth spot in the Eastern Conference when they play the first of back-to-back games at Atlanta. Washington currently leads Indiana by a half game for that ninth spot. The Pacers also in action tonight at Cleveland. Cleveland, the uh, what? Not the worst team in the East, the next-to-worst team. So the Pacers, a little bit of an easier time tonight, you would think, uh, than the Wizards. Again, this is uh, is the final week, almost the final week of the regular season, heading down the home stretch. And that is your Rock Around the Region, uh, brought to you by the Rally Group. All right, I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, Happy belated Mother's Day to all the uh, moms out there. Hopefully uh, you called mom, went to visit mom, uh, you sent her a card, some flowers. Do something. Hopefully you did something to show appreciation uh, for your mother on Mother's Day yesterday. I was traveling. I was out and about. Went to see mother-in-law and also uh, my mother yesterday. little back-and-forth action up and back from PA. And what great traveling weather we had. Woo! There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than making that trip up 68. Up through the mountains, up you know Finley and uh, you know Grantsville. It's just awful. It's awful. It's guaranteed fog. It's rainy and foggy. It was all. It was like thirty-seven degrees heading up through the mountains yesterday. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I left my house. It was like forty. I'm like, what is? I saw a pretty funny uh, post. I think it was on Facebook. Maybe it was Twitter. I can't remember, but I saw it yesterday. It said, uh, "Now we know why it's called the month of May. It may be eighty degrees. It may be forty degrees. It's the truth. Miserable. It was Mother's Day. It was a great day. It was great to see uh, both moms. But a miserable day to travel. Just miserable. But anyway, that's beside the point. Was good to be home. I actually took a uh, took a tour. Of my old stomping grounds, as we left uh, my mother-in-law's house, we took a detour to go because my mo- or my wife wanted to show our son like her old playground. She wanted to see if it was still there, and it was. You know, little league field, basketball courts, basketball courts in terrible shape. So we went to see my mom, and in my old hometown. So we took a little tour of where I grew up. Because the house my mom's in now is not in the house where I grew up. So, you know, dad showing, you know, the son about this, you know, this this used to be my domain, right? This used to be my old stomping ground. This is where your dad grew up. The old Little League field, almost exactly the same. Almost exactly the same. Everything else is gone. <laughs> Everything else where I grew up is gone. I mean, look, a lot can change in you know, 30-plus years, obviously. We used to have uh, a little league field, a massive playground, a hard top, uh, you know, a, a, a basketball court, which it was a community basketball court outdoors. That's all gone. And I, I was actually shocked. It, really, the only thing left is the the, base, the baseball field. And some buildings that should have been torn down years ago or that somehow are still standing. A lot changes, man. A lot. You know, I, I told my son, "Hey, this will be you, you know, uh, how many years down the road, taking your kids to around this area, saying, This is this is where I grew up. This is where I, you know, did most of my damage <laughs> growing up.' Anyway, uh, wanted to put a wrap." I do we want to start here? Or we want to start. You know what? Let's let's hold off on the high school basketball for a second. Because I want to start with a more uh pressing, I guess, issue, if you will. And it seems as if we have some controversy after last week's running of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Derby winner Medina Spirit could possibly be stripped of the victory because of a failed post race drug test. Now, as a result, yesterday, Churchill Downs suspended trainer Bob Baffert until this whole thing can be sorted out. Now, Baffert, who, let's, let's face it, no stranger to such scandals, denied all wrongdoing and said he'd be completely transparent with the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission during its investigation. Baffert and his camp got word on Saturday that Medina Spirit tested positive for an excessive amount of a steroid called beta which is used to treat pain and inflammation in horses. Now, it is legal for horses to receive this steroid, but just not on race day. It's got to be out of the horse's system on race day. Well, Allegedly, uh, it was not for the Derby. So, if the race was held more than a week ago, why are we just you know hearing about the? Why is it coming out now? Why was the suspension? You know, why is this all coming out like a week later? Uh, Jake Privman of uh, Daily Racing Forum was on SportsCenter with Kenny May.
6: Usually, in situations like this, uh, there's a split sample and that is sent out and once that split sample comes back, if it confirms the original uh, findings, then a violation is called and they go forth with whatever penalty there would be for the horse uh, or the trainer. All we know is that the first test has come back positive and there's still you know, a few miles uh, to travel on this adventure.
7: So this is already being done sort of out of normal context. We shouldn't even know about this yet is what you're saying that the second test when they, when they sort of appeal and run it on a split sample, That should have happened before we got to this point?
6: Usually what happens, if it's the first race on Friday at Santa Anita, and something like this had happened, that would be the protocol. And you find out about it a few weeks after it happened, once the confirmation comes out. I think what happened in this case is that there were obviously rumbles on Saturday night, and Bob Baffert and his team elected on Sunday morning to try and get out ahead of the news and to disclose what they knew to this point.
1: Uh, dear ESPN, can you please stop playing video and audio under somebody talking? Is that too much to ask? Like, do we really need the background noise? Right, am I the only one who gets annoyed by that? Seriously, I mean, listen, listen to the the opening of this clip here.
6: Usually, in situations like this, uh, there's a split sample and that is sent out. And once that... now, I
1: guarantee what they are because I didn't see it. What they are showing on Sports Center is like. Bob Baffert and Camp celebrating Medina Spirit's victory at the Derby, as Jake is talking to Kenny. Lynn.
6: Usually in situations like this, uh, there's a split sample and that is sent out. I
1: don't need that. Stop it! I want to hear what Jake has to say. Quit playing the audio under somebody talking. It's it's, it's distracting. Anyway, I must issue a sternly worded letter uh, to the mothership up in Bristol. A uh, Baffert issued a statement saying, quote, I intend to thoroughly and transparently investigate the matter to determine how this could have happened. We will have the split sample analyzed and DNA testing performed. That will be the first step in the process, end quote. Now, Medina Spirit, I told you, he's no secret to, you know, alleged scandals here. Medina Spirit is Baffert's fifth horse, to be known to have failed a drug test in over a year, uh, Baffert told, or Baffert, I'm sorry, Baffert was told that Medina Spirit was found to have more than double the allowable amount of the steroid in a post-race sample. Baffert told Kenny Maine he doesn't know how that could have happened. He's never had that
2: that ever, you know. And so that's that's a troubling thing that, you know, that we're just really. This has been horrible uh, for the horse. He's just—he he ran his heart out, and I just hate seeing
7: this for him to to go through this. And it's just tough. I asked at the top, what is your plan? Because we're less than a week away from the running the Preakness. You you have two horses going in that. Are you going to try to get an expedited test? Otherwise, there'd be a cloud hanging over your horse if he's allowed to run in Maryland. No, I mean the horse was, was fine. He actually
2: had out-of-competition test before you ran in the Derby, and that was fine. So that's why this is all troubling to us. But I'm, I'm running two horses in the Preakness, and when we get them there, I, I want to have them tested there just in case before, but uh, they're vanning they're
7: there tomorrow. Churchill Downs suspended you from running any uh, horses at Churchill Downs while this is being investigated. Have you gotten any indication from the Maryland racing officials that they're considering anything like that uh, as some tracks uh, make recommendations like on a companion level to another track around the country? I was pretty
2: surprised, Kenny, by what Churchill did today. Um, that was um, quite like, you know, no due process or whatever. We still live in America, so I haven't really dealt with that yet, and we were getting ready to leave anyway, but it's one of those things where I don't know what's going to happen in pembroke I haven't, I haven't heard anything yet, so uh, I
7: know the horses will be underway tomorrow. Uh, just to be clear, you, you're suggesting yours has never been touched with this drug. Yet somehow, uh, you're being told that he tested positive for microscopic level of it. Uh, how in the world could this have happened?
2: Well, when you're dealing in picograms, that's that's the thing that America doesn't know about. Picograms is one billionth of a. It's like a one grain of salt in an Olympic sized pool, I and mean, that's what we're talking about here. And he had 21. So when you're when you're dealing with those kind of levels, it's that's that's Contaminant level, they call it, and that's what happened in my prior cases, and we resolved them all. But that's that's what's going on. It happened to justify. It happened in in Arkansas, and now it's happened here, and it, and it happened on the biggest day, on the biggest race. It's just it's just horrible.
1: So what Baffert is saying is, uh, there were traces of the steroid in the horse, but the horse never received the steroid. That is. Almost impossible. Somehow, some way that steroid got into that horse unless the drug tests are somehow wrong. I mean, it's possible, right? It's won't be the first time you know we've seen, you know, false positive tests in the last, oh, I don't know, year plus. I don't know if Bafford is. You know, a conspiracy kind of guy. If he, you know, I don't know if he's going that far to saying that, uh, you know, the fix is in, somebody trying to sabotage the horse, but the steroid got into that horse somehow. And now we can kind of wait and see what happens now. ESPN's Matt Jones says this could be a major black eye on horse racing if it turns out to be true because the sport's biggest name is involved. Bob Baffert is the singular face of horse racing. Everybody knows his white hair, and everybody kind of knows his name. So you take the person that matters the most, it's kind of like the Tour de France, like who who knew cyclists except Lance Armstrong? He gets in trouble, and now people think, well, there's that sport where everybody cheats. I think that is the problem. Biggest race, biggest trainer, huge ratings. You know, what was it? Second biggest non-sporting event since COVID started, or non-football event since COVID started, was the Derby. That's what really hurts the sport. Now, beta methasone was also found in another Baffert-trained horse, Gamine, who finished third at the uh, Kentucky Oaks last September. He was eventually disqualified from that race. If Medina Spirit is stripped of the Kentucky Derby crown, then Mandalone will be declared the winner. He finished a half-length behind Medina Spirit. But for now, Medina Spirit is the Kentucky Derby winner, does plan to run in the Preakness this Saturday. Mandelown is not running in the Preakness. So if he is given the Kentucky Derby crown the victory, then the race for the Triple Crown is over. It ends with him because he's not running this weekend. Uh, Worth noting, the only horse to be disqualified for medication after winning the Kentucky Derby was Dancer's Image uh, back in 1968. Also worth noting, if Medina Spirit is disqualified, anyone who bet on the horse will not have to forfeit any winnings. There was an estimated 11 to 12 million bucks bet on Medina Spirit. However, Anyone who bet on Mandalone will not win any bets if the horse is declared the winner. Whatever happens, it all adds up to a rather interesting week leading up to the Preakness. Back to uh, Daily Racing Forums, Jake Privman.
6: It's going to be a very challenging week, regardless of what happens. I mean, whether these horses run, this is obviously a huge story because you're talking about a horse who has had a medication violation in the Kentucky Derby, but there's also the perspective of Baffert has had a number of issues like this in the past, but if you look at what kind of medication it is, it's something that's legal for horses to have, just not to be able to have it in them on race day. It's a corticosteroid, and corticosteroids are used for inflammation. And as you were saying, it's something that trainers can use. Uh, They just have to make sure that it's out of the horse's system well in advance of race day. Whether it was a lot or a very, very minute amount, there couldn't be any. This is all based on what has been revealed so far by Bob Baffert. The Kentucky Racing Commission has yet to officially say anything about it, and I'm sure they would not until the second test comes back.
1: Now look, it's one thing when a horse and a trainer gets busted for a drug test in like the Pacific Classic in Del Mar, right? It's another thing when there's a potential scandal after the sport's biggest race involving the sport's biggest trainer. And we talked about this before with the four golf majors, right? Fairweather golf fans or fairweather sports fans really don't pay attention to the PGA Tour unless it's one of the four majors. And I kind of compared it to the people who only go to church on Easter and Christmas, Right? You gotta only pay attention to the big ones. Same thing with horse racing, unless you like going to the window, unless you you know place a little wager here. And let's face it, that's one of the big draws of horse racing is you know laying down a couple couple bucks. But unless you like doing that, you really don't pay attention to horse racing unless it's what the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, or the Belmont. Those are the big three, and those draw the most attention. So it's almost like, you remember the movie Jaws when they're on the ferry and and the mayor, who was a real slime ball. is just like, you know, if, if you're in the water and somebody yells barracuda, people go, huh, what? But if you yell shark, we have a major panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Same thing. If somebody yells Barracuda horse racing, like oh, there's a drug test at the Pacific Classic, and nobody bats an eye, but if somebody yells Shark at the Kentucky Derby, which would be interesting, by the way, then it's a it's a big it's a big deal. And any of those fair weather fans, anybody who would want to get involved in horse racing now, kind of take a step back. It it really hurts the sport from that aspect, right? But because it happened during the Derby, and it's Bob Baffert, then even the fair weather sports fans, with the fair weather horse racing fans, now they're really paying attention. They're now they're like, oh, wait a minute, we got to just like Lance Armstrong in the Tour de France, right? So we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it's something. May, I mean, there's definitely some smoke. Now we got to find out and wait and see if there's some fire. And if Medina Spirit. Loses the Derby. We'll see. All right. Uh, news and weather coming up. And then more of the Morning Rush. Stick around. Cumberland's ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Morning Rush.
1: I heard during the uh, news update, you know, we got some, a couple more positive tests in some schools around the area, right? They're just, they're just going to count those things to the very end, aren't they? They're just going to keep on top of that until school comes. There's two weeks left. It's two weeks left. And just going to continue to beat that drum until school lets out. I know people got jobs to do. I I saw this, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a plea online, a push online uh, yesterday to, uh, I think it was at Frankfurt, I'm, I'm fairly certain it was, to allow the seniors to go virtual the last 13 days so they could actually, you know, attend graduation, have a normal graduation. I don't know if anything's going to come of it. I don't know. I don't even know who makes that decision, to tell you the truth. I don't know if it's local, if it's state level, Makes sense to me, though, right? You got these seniors who've already been through enough. They want to have a proper graduation. Go virtual the last 13 days, which is basically a quarantine. You're quarantining yourself. So there you go, right? 13 days is up. You got go to graduation. You get to walk. Get the diploma, you know, like we used to do. I'm all for it. My son's a senior. If you listen to the show, you know that. Now, I know he doesn't want to spend the last 13 days virtual. He doesn't want to spend the last 13 days of his high school career stuck at home like these students were to start the school year. But if it means having a proper graduation, why not? It makes sense, which is why it won't happen, because it makes sense. Because because God forbid we do anything, you know, To actually help these students have a normal graduation. And again, I don't know who makes these calls. I have no idea. But it makes sense to me. Rather risk having these kids get on the school bus and go to school and risk being around somebody, close contact, all that crap, and then be quarantined for graduation. Just let them stay home. Let them finish out. I mean, most classes are wrapping up anyway, right? I don't know if there's finals still go. I have no idea. I should know, but I don't. Just let them let them finish at home if they want to, and then you're pretty much assured to have a, a good graduation. I already know of 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 kids in the area who either couldn't go to their prom or or their dates couldn't go or whatever because of quarantine, so they were cheated out of that, and now. Now, may, maybe cooler heads and smarter heads prevail and say, you know what? It makes sense. Let the, let the seniors go virtual the last two weeks so they can graduate. May, maybe, maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. But it makes very little sense to me to force the kids to go to school the last two weeks and then quarantine them. Because they were forced to go to school and then they missed their graduation. You know what I mean? It would make sense to let them just stay home. The kids just, especially the kids who play sports, they, they, they just can't stay home because you have to be in school. You have to, if, you, if you run track or you play baseball or you play softball, or uh, which, uh, tennis. If you play a spring sport, you're a student-athlete, you have to go to school. That's That's the rule. So it's not like you can just stay home. Because you miss school, you miss practice, or you miss a game. But maybe, maybe, exceptions could be made here. Heading down the home stretch of the school year. Maybe. And we can just look the other way. I'm just saying. But again, that makes too much sense. So it likely won't happen. I just hope and I pray for all students involved, not just in our area, but all over from coast to coast. I hope that they're able to finish out a normal school year or as normal as possible. Now, also, I, I understand there are some complications. Like, if let's just say, for instance, the seniors at Frankfurt and Kaiser. Middler, let's say Minor County, for an example. Let's say they're allowed to stay home and go virtual. I do understand there's an issue with, like, uh, the, the tech center. That certain things couldn't be done down there because they got to take the bus. So, it's, it's not exactly, you know, that clear cut. But it would be nice. It would be nice. If a decision was made to put these students, these seniors in the best possible position to have a normal graduation ceremony, a normal commencement, it would be nice. Because as I mentioned uh, during one of the shows last week, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying it to make a point. My son is valedictorian at Frankfurt. If he gets quarantined and misses, <laughs> he has to miss Graduation ceremony, I'm I'll make it fired that day because I'm going scorched earth on everybody if that happens. Not it, it's just that's just the way it's going to be. I'm just forewarning. That's just the way it's going to be. And it's not it's not just for him. It's not just, it's for everybody involved. I want this for everybody. I want these kids who have been through hell and back with this pandemic, to end the school year on a nice, normal note. Concessions should be made, they need to be made, in order for that to happen. Because if I'm going to believe anybody who says that we have the students' best interest in mind, then that needs to happen. Right? Because I, I I'm not necessarily sure I believe that anymore. Whenever I hear somebody say that we have the students' best interest in mind over the last year plus, I, I have my doubts. I have my doubts. I'm being honest. I have my doubts. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, enough of that. I needed to uh, – anyway. I know it, it it's close to home it hits too close to home for me my son his friends the, the kids we've seen grown up and, and any any if you got any kid in that situation y- you get it you understand where I'm coming from it just hits too close to home if kids have been through enough they've suffered enough let's do right by them this time so they can end their school careers you know with a smile on their faces all right for a break. When we come back, we'll get back to sports. We'll stay in school. We'll stay in high school. But we'll get back to sports. We'll get to put a wrap on the uh, Boys State Basketball Tournament this weekend. Stick around. 102.1 FM AM 1230 Cumberland's ESPN Radio.
0: is the morning rush.
1: We're going to hold off on the high school basketball until next hour. I rambled too long uh, last segment, so (laughs) we're going up against it here in about five minutes. So we'll hold off on putting a wrap on the uh, high school basketball season, at least the ones that were actually played, you know, in West Virginia. Maryland, uh, not so much. Uh, not much going on tonight as far as live sports here on the station. We have uh, just regular ESPN programming. Nationals, Capitals, both off. Nationals, of course, uh, losing 2-3 in the Bronx. Where are they at tomorrow? I don't know that. Capitals, I know they wrap up the regular season tomorrow against the Bruins. Pretty big games, as a matter of fact. The Nats, where are they at? They open somewhere. they are at here? Let me consult the bones real quick. Oh, with the Phillies. Okay. A little NL East action. They host the Phillies for uh, three games starting tomorrow. As I mentioned, uh, the Caps and Bruins wrap up the regular season tomorrow as well. Pens clinch the number one seed in the East division with a win over Buffalo Saturday. The Caps had a chance to keep pace but uh the flyers took them the overtime. And the first tiebreaker in the division is regulation wins. After after the uh the pens beat buffalo Saturday. The caps had to win out in regulation to clinch that top seed in the East Division. They did not. They went to overtime. So that gave the penguins The top seed in the East. The Caps did because they won that game. They clinched the second seed. And you got the Bruins, the third seed, and the Islanders are the fourth seed. Islanders just one point back of the Bruins. So what we know now, we know the Penguins are going to, and the Caps are both going to host first round series. Now it's just a matter of against who. If I'm the Penguins, I don't want to see the Bruins. I don't. The Bruins are a tough matchup for the Pens. So you would like, if you're a Penguins fan, the Caps and Bruins in the first round. And then the Penguins would host the Islanders. If you're a Caps fan, obviously, you may actually, you know, you will do your darndest to beat the Bruins tomorrow. Because you want to knock the Bruins down to that four seed. So they'd have to play the Penguins. Which I know sounds weird, but the way the teams are playing down the stretch, I'd rather face the Islanders. Even if the Islanders finish in the third seed and the Bruins the fourth seed, I'd rather face the Islanders. The Penguins, by getting that top seed, if they survive the first round, of course they were unceremoniously bounced last year by Montreal, the worst team in the playoffs, then they have home ice in the second round as well. And, of course, if it plays out, then we're looking at, once again, Penguins, Capitals, in the second round of the playoffs, which it seems like it's been that way every year for the past 15 years. Penguins are done. They finished up. Their regular season is over. They wrapped it up on Saturday. Caps have the one more game tomorrow. See, the Bruins now, they have a game in hand. They have an extra game. They have two games left. Caps and Islanders only have one game left. So the Bruins, if they went out, they'll lock up the third seed, which is bad news for the Capitals. And then there's a long wait because there's a lot of teams that have to finish up their regular season schedule throughout the week. Like the Penguins wrapped up on Saturday. They have to wait at least a week for their playoffs to start. That's a long layoff. Now, granted, they're, they're dinged up. They're not healthy. Got some injuries they could probably use the week off especially in a season like this where there just was game after game after game after game all these back to backs two game series they could probably they could use the rest as most teams could so not i guess necessarily a bad thing you always worry about rust if you sit around too long if you rest too long and then you got to ramp it up you know ramp it back up for the playoffs that could be detrimental but I think right now the Penguins, especially at goaltender, because Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith both were not they were not available Saturday. The starting goaltender and a backup were not available, both with upper body injuries. Maxime Legacy, in his first Penguins start, pitched a shutout. If you can believe, <laughs> if you can believe that, I know it was against Buffalo. The Sabres are terrible. But what a way to end up the regular season. Both your goaltenders are out. Here comes Maxim Legacy, and he shuts out the Sabres 1-0 to clinch that top seed for the Pens. Anyway, looking uh, very much forward to the Stanley Cup playoffs, as always. As I've mentioned before on this show, that in the NCAA tournament, nothing can compare. Nothing. And it'll be hell just getting out of that East Division. And I think whoever gets out of the East Division, be it the Pens or the Caps or the Bruins or or the Islanders, I think they'll be the favorite to get to the Stanley Cup Final. The better teams are definitely in the East. All respect to the Panthers and the Lightning and those teams. All right. A little hockey talk. We'll wrap up the, the hour with a little puck talk. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Hour number one done when we come back. Some high school hoops. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Morning Rush.
1: Tony C. in the big chair. Live from the palatial ESPN studio, high atop Industrial Boulevard, at least 10 feet up, on the south side of the Queen City. Baby. At this time uh, next week, I won't be here. My show will be over. A little lineup change, in case you didn't know. If you did know, a reminder that uh, next Monday, uh, we're moving to six to eight. So just you know, mark it down, store it to memory, six to eight, starting uh, Monday. Maybe we'll get uh, PB back on the line, right? PB, loyal listener to the show, loyal caller to the show. I don't think, I, since we since we went from 6 to 9 to 7 to 9, I don't think I've heard from PB once because his schedule is, doesn't allow. Like he would always call in during the 6 o'clock hour before he went to work. So hopefully... When we make the switch next Monday to 6-8, to we get PB back in the house. Talk a little Baltimore sports. PB, a big uh, Baltimore fan. Uh, Speaking of calling, several ways to get involved on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages free and open to the public. Wow, what was that? Free. And oh my voice, it's not well today, in case you haven't noticed. A little bit on the raspy side. I just pulled a Peter Brady right there. Free and open to the public. Like him, follow them, uh, drop me a line whenever. Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo, 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show, every day, minus commercials. So if you miss part of the show, you can go back and check it out whenever. For instance, if you missed the first hour. What did we talk about the first hour? I don't even remember. Oh, that's right. Kentucky Derby. The scandal, or alleged possible scandal, involving uh, Bob Baffert and his uh, Kentucky Derby winning horse. Uh, I made my opinion known on what should be done with graduation around the area and how the students deserve a break and how every measure should be taken to make sure these kids have a proper graduation uh, ceremony or commencement or whatever you want to talk about. And we also kind of had a little puck talk last hour. Pens and caps. We were heading down the home stretch of the regular season. Pens already wrapped up. They locked up the number one spot. In the East Division, Caps, uh, they're in the number two spot. So, again, if you missed any of it, go back, check it out uh, on the free Podbean app. All right, let's uh, rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we start in Major League Baseball, where the Nationals more than happy to get out of the Bronx.
2: 2-2 game, bottom of the ninth. Chance to win it.
1: Michael Kay, the call on the Yes Network. Second straight walk-off win for the Yankees over the Nats. The Yanks take two of three in the series. Giancarlo Stanton, the uh, RBI single right there, the walk-off RBI single. He uh, spoke with the Yes Network after the game. Giancarlo,
3: how difficult is it in that situation with the game on the line to not expand the zone and wait for a pitch that you can hit?
4: I'm not... Yeah, I did expand on one pitch, but you know, you get you get three in that situation, so it's really it's really about being calm and knowing he has to come to me uh, and, and get a good pitch to hit.
3: Do you like coming up in those situations with the game on the line?
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's it. that's everything you work for. That's. Uh that's the, the, the highest competition in the world and the, and the biggest moment. So, uh, you know, it's always good to have a challenge like that.
3: Glaber hit his first home run of the season. Was it nice to see him get his power stroke back a little bit? And how much do you think that was weighing on him?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two huge hits yesterday for us by Glaber. And then, uh, you know, things like that happened today. He's got, he's got his first homer, and uh, it's going to continue to go up from here.
3: Overall, how do you evaluate this homestand? And is there a different feel in that clubhouse right now?
4: Uh, these are two huge wins, uh, especially with the long day yesterday and and the getaway day today into, into an off day. So uh, and, a, and a series win as well. So uh, it'll be good, and we'll take it into Tampa.
1: Kyle Schwarber, a two-run homer for Washington, which has lost five of six. The Yankees went seven and two on their nine-game homestand, something the Orioles will never do this season. <laughs> Yanks now head down south to take on the rival Rays, uh, both the Yanks and the Rays, uh, three and a half games behind the Red Sox in the AL East. Uh, speaking of which, the Orioles are on the verge of getting swept after a 4-3 loss to the Bo Sox at Camden Yards. Cedric Mullins homered for the O's, who have dropped the first three of the four-game series. Baltimore is now a major league worst 4-13 at home this season, including 0-6 at home against Boston. And finally, the Pirates were trying to avoid getting swept out of the Windy City.
5: Here's Defoe, and he swings and ropes one out to right toward that corner. Hayward looking back, and it hits off the Ivy, banging off that brick wall behind it. Joey Cora is waving around Gonzalez. The throw comes in. It's offline up the third baseline, and Gonzalez scores on Wilmer Defoe's RBI triple, the Pirates lead 5-1.
1: Joe blocked the call on the Pirates radio network 6-5 the final as the Pirates held off a late Cubs rally to avoid this sweep. Three hits, three RBI for Wilmore Defoe, former national, as the Pirates won for just the third time in the last 20 games at Wrigley Field. And tonight in the NBA, the Wizards will try to hold on to the ninth spot in the Eastern Conference when they play the first of back-to-back games at Atlanta. Washington currently leads Indiana by a half game for that ninth spot. The Pacers also in action tonight at Cleveland. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caprioli Group. A few more Pirates notes before their game against the Cubs yesterday. Uh, they placed first baseman Ian Moran on the 10-day injured list with a strained left groin. Ouch. And third baseman Key Brian Hayes was moved from the 10-day injured list to the 60-day injured list. Hayes has been on his shelf for a while. Unfortunately, uh, their best young player hit a home run against the Cubs opening day, injured his left wrist in Game 2 of the season, hasn't been back since. Uh, Pirates also DFA'd uh, pitcher Michael Feliz. And one uh, aside from the win itself, one really positive note for the Pirates was the pitching of uh, Tyler Anderson. He went eight innings, which I do believe is the longest outing for a Pirates pitcher this season. He goes eight solid. Try to look at his numbers here real quick. Where's the box score? Do, 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 do. Here it is. Two runs on four hits. Six strikeouts, one walk. 102 pitches. Anderson evens his record at three and three. And his ERA this season is 3.05. And they picked him up from the Giants last year. Anderson, 31 year old lefty. And he's pitching well, better than expected. I mean, on a team with only 14 wins, he has three of them. On a team with questionable starting pitching at best, Anderson's been a bright spot, which means uh, he'll be traded in July. That's exactly what's going to happen. If he can, look, we know what's up. We know it's the Pirates, right? And Orioles fans, you're in the same boat. If Anderson continues to pitch well, if he, especially if he gets that ERA under three. And he continues to pitch well for a team that simply can't score. I know they scored six runs yesterday, which was as many as they scored to three games before that combined. He's gone. Tyler Anderson is as good as gone come trade deadline. But, hey, if they could turn him, again, he was a project, and they got him off the scrap heap. If they can turn him into a good young prospect, so be it. It's like the Pirates are going anywhere anyway. And they almost blew the game in the ninth inning. They they took a 6-2 lead into the ninth. Then Kyle Crick imploded. And then Rodriguez, who's been almost untouchable this season, he had a rough out. And again, uh, the Cubs scored three in the ninth. They got out of it, and the Pirates win the game. Still in last place uh, in the NL Central, for whatever it's worth. All right. So... I was hoping to be uh, sitting here today celebrating, handing out congratulations uh, for two state basketball titles for Hampshire and Pendleton County. But alas, uh, it was not meant to be. Hampshire, which we already know, they already made history by becoming the first number 8 seed to ever win a tournament game. They fell short in the AAA semifinals on Friday night. They lost to Wheeling Central, the eventual state uh, runner-up, 61-49. And what a fantastic job by Hampshire head coach Danny Alkire in just his third year on the job. To not only take the Trojans to their first state tournament appearance in program history. But then to knock off number one Robert C. Byrd in the quarterfinals to make tournament history as the first eight seed to get a win. Just a great job all around. It had, look, it had the entire area buzzing. It had people changing their profiles on Facebook. Seriously. People who would otherwise not root for Hampshire. Or I don't even uh, care about Hampshire. People are changing their profiles to the Hampshire logo. The community was crazy for it. And as you, it was a good story. It was a great story. Uh, Drew Keckley was named to the AAA all-tournament team. He had, a, he had a great two games. Hampshire was also given the AAA Sportsmanship Award. So the team, the fans, representing this school very well, you'd like to see it. Now comes the hard part for Coach Alkire. And that's finding a way to replace six seniors from this year's tournament team. Six seniors who struggled with a, I think it was a three, they won three games their sophomore year, like three and 20. And in those three years, you know, they turned it around. We talked about the experience from guys like Keckley and Christian Hicks and uh, Trevor Sardo and and Makai Anderson. That's a lot to lose from a tournament team. Six seniors. There's my uh, keyboard. (laughs) But as we always talk about in sports, when we talk about building a culture, right? A culture within a program. A winning culture. And that's a lot more difficult than just saying it, right? You just don't you just don't go and say, all right, uh we're gonna build a, a winning culture. So just go out and win. It's it's not that simple. You gotta lay bricks to the foundation. You, you have to and and look, that foundation was being built at Hampshire three years ago when those seniors were sophomores. And look where it got them. But we talk about building a culture within a program and A major brick to that foundation, a major you know, a trip to the state tournament can do just that. And we played the interview. uh, It was last week when I talked with Coach Alkire. You know, I asked him why there were just eight players on the varsity roster, and yeah, he said you know numbers were a little low. He had some players that didn't come back out this year, and that happens every year. But now, when you look at it when you talk about building a culture, a trip to Charleston is what maybe gets some of those players coming back. You know, at the, at the very least, the younger players coming up through like, you know, Romney Middle School or are there two middle schools out there? Is is there is there Romney and one more? Is it Capeton Bridge or something like that? I don't, I don't even know. Let's call it the feeder system, right? The younger players coming up, they're now paying attention. They're seeing that you're building something good, right? They see the excitement that that trip to the tournament created. They notice the buzz. They see the way the community rallied around the team, right? And all of a sudden, they want to be part of a winner. Everybody loves a winner, right? Everybody wants to to hop on the train. They want to make that trip to Charleston now. They want to be a part of that winning culture. And that's how you get it started. That's how you get it started. Now, again, it'll be tough to fill the shoes of six seniors, but maybe that trip, especially getting the win, not only getting down there, but upsetting Robert C. Byrd. how many people paid attention to that? How many young players? you know they want to they they want to buy into it they want to be a part they want to be they want to get they want to be the ne- like the bar has been set right this group of seniors at hampshire the bar has been set it has been established and so has the culture there at hampshire so hey, we you know we look forward right to i would think more good things from the trojans Coach is a hell of a coach. He's done a hell of a job in just three years. So, they come up just one win short of playing for a state title. One team that we've also been talking about that did make it to the state title game, this time in Class A, was Pendleton County. And we talked about the win streak, the Wildcats, they went into Saturday's title game against Man with their 40- Game win streak. And as when we were previewing the game last week, we said that win streak would have to get to 41 in order to call themselves state champions. Unfortunately, win streak is over and the dream of a state title is over. And man, they were close, so close to winning their first ever state championship. But man, and still one of the greatest nicknames, the man hillbillies. They closed the game on an 11-0 run in the final 2:26 to win the game 43-36. Uh, and I was trying to follow along. I couldn't listen to it, but I was trying to follow along on on you know on the socials and whatnot because I was busy doing other things, and it really looked like. And after reading the game story, like Pendleton County played its its game to a T. Played its style to a T for most of the game. Defend, slow it down, control the pace of the game, and it worked for 95% of the game. They held Man to just 32 points with just 3 minutes left to play. 32 And we talk about the big fellow for Pendleton, Josh Alt, Sr. Uh, He was named to the all-tournament team, rightfully so. He made a free throw to put Pendleton up 36-32. Four-point lead with 3.05 left to play. And the Wildcats never scored again. They never scored again. Man cranked up the defensive pressure. They forced five turnovers in the final 245 of the game which obviously turned the game around after the game uh, Pendleton's head coach uh, Ryan Lambert
5: their length bothered us tonight uh, and I think that was the difference uh, we we were running our our sets against that 221 press uh, and we were executing uh, they were just able to they were able to get one tap back and then I think they got two they were able to get two deflections with their length. Uh, and we knew that that was going to be a challenge. Uh, in, in most cases, they're they're lengthier than us. Uh, they're long. They're athletic. Um, but I'll say this, uh, and I think most people in the state probably thought that it was going to be a 20-30 point game. I think most people uh, thought that man would score 70 or 80 points. Uh, so. I, 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 I still, I still am extremely proud in what these kids put together in, in a game plan. Uh, but to to answer that question, yes, it did it, it did bother us obviously, and, and we and we made a few a few bonehead plays, uh, and and it cost us. All
1: right, back to uh, Pendleton County in a second. Right now, we'll go to the rush line 301-759-2628. seven five nine two six two eight. You're up. How's Who's this?
8: It? It's Dwayne. How you doing,
1: Dwayne? What's going on, brother?
8: Oh, not too bad. Hey, I was going to uh, call in earlier um, when you was uh, doing the whole um, uh, seniors and the quarantine and all that stuff. Yeah. But I just didn't get a chance, Yeah, I, I wanted to comment. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, there's different, different opinions on whether they should continue to count or stop counting or they they should do this or do that. And I, I I don't know what to think at this point, but I do know one thing. Um I, I scroll through Facebook, and, I, and more and more I think Facebook is uh, uh, the devil's seed or something like that. There's, there's it, it, it ranks wrong.
1: up there for sure. I'm with you on that.
8: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure if I should call it the devil's seed because it's just people that that really get on my nerves. Um, one thing that, that I don't, I'm sure you've seen – is these memes that they have about different things and everything like that. And the one in particular that I've seen several times from several people is is this equation, well, uh, if seniors think they have it so bad, just think from 1964 to 1970, uh, a lot of people didn't have a senior trip or a a prom because they was drafted or went to, to Vietnam. To use that false analogy, to put here on this particular scenario is just complete garbage. Oh, it
1: is. It and, is.
8: If, if, and if you think that way, as a human—and I'm, I'm talking to the people that have posted this. Hopefully sure. they're listening. If you think that way, you're an idiot. I'm just going to lay it out there. You suck as a human being. <laughs> if you think that that is a good analogy. No, it isn't. Because it is not. It's like saying— you know, a kid, uh, the, the, it, it equates to like a kid whose parent had just had a stroke and is still living. And somebody comes up to him like, hey, a lot of people's parents die. You know, right. shut up. Right. You, if, if you don't, and, and most of the people that post this, number one, they had a senior prom. They had a graduation. They had a senior trip. Nothing was wrong with them. They didn't go to Vietnam. I'm pretty sure that most Vietnam vets were like, Yeah, this thing sucked. You don't want that. And I feel sorry for you that you gotta go through what you're going through as a senior. So
1: just people have a little empathy. Every situation is different. Everybody everybody yeah. throughout this pandemic has had to have had different obviously we talk about, you know, how, how many hundreds of thousands of people have died, but it doesn't mean that other people aren't hurting on different levels or suffering on different levels.
8: Exactly. Exactly. So instead of putting some snarky thing on on Facebook, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this out there because I, I'm basically telling them to, you know, suck, suck it, up it up. Right. Yeah. and You know, these these are young kids. These are 17, 18 year old kids, you know, and they're still learning and growing. And it's OK to have disappointment and everything. Sure. It's what you do with it afterwards. Right. That matters. But to sit there and say, yeah, you shouldn't feel this way. Because I think this, just be quiet. You know that's that's basically my two two cents on on what was going on with that. And that, like I saw that meme way too many times.
1: Right. It is it's and, completely unfair to tell the seniors of this year to suck it up because other people have had it worse. It's not. Yeah. It's not the way to do it.
8: Yeah. It, it's it's it. Well, it's just like you know somebody saying, well, there's starving kids and that. Yes, there is. And it's horrible and all that stuff, but the, the whole point of it is, if, if somebody is is feeling bad or, or you know has something going on, you know, currently due to this situation, just you know, try and work with it. Try and, you know, you you don't have to. How about a little support? Yeah, you, you don't have to be rude. That's, right. that's all I'm saying. And and if you think that that matches up then your logic is flawed. 100%.
1: And, 100%. Yeah. So that's that's
8: my whole thing. So uh, you enjoy the rest of the day. You
1: too, Dwayne. Thanks for the call. All right, we'll see you. All right, buddy. 301-759-2628. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I always appreciate the two cents from Dwayne. Always. And Dwayne and I don't always agree on everything, but we don't have to. But in this particular case, we are on the same page. And I've seen, that a, I've seen it a lot. I've seen that, and I know exactly what he's talking about. You know, it is not... Don't make somebody feel bad for feeling bad just by saying, oh, somebody's had it worse. What happened to Dwayne's point 50 years ago, 60 years ago? It's got nothing to do with these kids now. These these kids, this they're living in their reality now. This is what they're dealing with now. And to tell them that they shouldn't feel bad now because of something that happened 60 years ago, it's, to use Dwayne's word, it's garbage. It's garbage. Yes, we all have uh, issues, challenges in life. We all had disappointments. Absolutely. And like Dwayne said, what you do with it afterwards, that, that'll go a long way to building your character, to building you know how you approach things going forward. But you know, yeah, I've I've seen the meme. I've seen it and I, I get tired of it too. I get tired of it too. Especially when you know, people use other people dying as, you know, oh, you shouldn't feel bad about this because people have died. And guess what? People die every day. People die every day. All right. People were dying before this pandemic and they're gonna die after. It. It's it's life, it's the circle of life. You're born, you live, you die. How and when and where, we, we don't decide that. A lot of these, a lot of kids, a lot of kids, if you've been paying attention, you know, a lot of kids have been suffering over the past year. A lot. Hundreds upon thousands of kids have been suffering emotionally, psychologically, To tell them to shake it off because other people have it worse, that's garbage. To use Dwayne's word again, garbage. I would use another word, but I would get fired. Just because you don't have it as bad as somebody else doesn't mean that you don't have the right to feel bad within your own reality. With what you're dealing with right now, right? We all got stuff. We all got stuff, just different levels of stuff. Obviously, you feel terrible, you feel awful for the people who have lost their lives during this pandemic and the families that were affected. Obviously, that's not even a question. It's not even a question. But at the same time, you can still feel bad for these school-age kids who have had to go through what they've gone through. Their reaction. That's real to them. There are, there have been different levels of suffering throughout this entire year plus. Some obviously worse than others. But that doesn't make the suffering any less real to, to whatever you happen to be dealing with. I think that makes sense. These kids especially the ones that are graduating they, they they have been through a ton a ton of crap they've been through a ton of crap that no 17 18 year old kid should have to deal with but they've gone through it and they've gotten through it they may be they may be one of the toughest senior classes we've ever had <laughs> they may be one of the toughest graduating class we've ever seen to get to the end of this crap storm that they've been put through through no fault of their own. Which is why I said earlier, in case you missed it, and Dwayne brought it up, it's why I said in the first hour that all measures should be taken to make sure the seniors this year get a proper graduation. They get to be able to enjoy walking the stage, getting a diploma, and at least they can end the school year on a, a happy Note, a school year that's been unlike any other that we've certainly ever seen. It is our duty, I think it's our duty, as adults, as parents and and, and administrators and whoever's involved, to make sure these kids get something positive to wrap up their high school careers. They've already been through enough. They've already been through enough. So when I throw out the suggestion, you know what? Let's look the other way for the past couple weeks. I don't say that jokingly. I'm, I'm sitting. Look the other way. Quick count the numbers. Let, make them. Let them stay home if they want to. Let them stay home the last two weeks. Let them quarantine themselves so they don't. So they don't have to be in the classroom. So they don't have to be around other kids. So they can basically go through self-quarantine so they can have a proper graduation. What's so wrong with that? i tell you what would be wrong, forcing them to go to class the last two weeks and forcing them to be around other kids and then quarantining them if they're around a kid who tests positive. That would be wrong. Anyway, Dwayne, thanks for the call. If you'd like to call, rush line is open, 301-759-2628. We've all had to deal with this pandemic in our own way. Everybody, everybody's been affected. It's just been different levels. I personally don't know anybody who passed away from COVID. I've known a lot of people who got really, really sick. i i haven't had i haven't been that directly affected as some folks doesn't mean that i haven't suffered through this that i haven't had my issues through this right anyway back to basketball i don't even know where i left off like like the more i the more i talk the, the more aggravated I, I start i get It could be aggravation. it could be frustration, it could be a lot of things. I know I, like a lot of people, are just so ready to put this, just leave it in the rear view. I understand the road is still long. But it's not as long as it once was. We're talking, uh, we left with Ryan Lambert, right? Uh, Coach Lambert was talking about Pendleton County. You know what? Let's go to break. Let's go to break. Let's do that. Let's make a clean cut here. We'll go to break. We got news and weather coming up. Then when we come back, we'll pick up with basketball. It's kind of hard to segue between one and the other one. So news, weather, and we'll come back and wrap up the Pendleton County uh, season, which unfortunately came to an end with a loss on Saturday. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Morning Rush.
1: Putting a wrap on the uh, West Virginia uh, Boy State basketball tournament. We we're talking about a Hampshire falling in the uh, AAA A semifinals on Friday in Pendleton County losing just a heartbreaker in the Class A title game on Saturday. Pendleton had a 4-point lead with 305 to play and didn't score again. Man ended the game on an 11-0 run to win the game 43 to 36. And Pendleton had their chances late, couldn't get it done. Uh, a key call late in that game, with about a minute left. Uh, Bailey Thompson drove the baseline, went to kick it to the corner. He got called for a charge. And that's whenever they, they were trailing by one, 37 36. And then it turned to like a free throw shooting competition after that. Man, made a foul shots down the stretch, and they put the game away. Up to that point, we talked about Pendleton County playing their game to a T. Slow it down. They knew they couldn't run with man. They just, they couldn't. That's the way they play. They're big. They control the pace. But it just got away from them at the end. Uh, let's go back to head coach Ryan Lambert.
5: I've done this my whole life as a player and as a coach. And the highs are high and the lows are low. Right now we're low. But, you know, two years, 40-1 and one record, uh, I have no I have no regrets, and these kids have no regrets. There's nothing that we would have done any differently. Um, we executed the game plan that we wanted to execute. Uh, it was not a game in the 70s and the 80s because we could not have done that. We would have been beat by 20. These guys did what I asked them to do. Uh, we don't make mistakes down the, down
1: the stretch. We hold them under 40 points. They ended up with 43 because we had to put them on the line. When you look at that number, what he just mentioned there, 40 and one over the last two seasons. That's amazing. But some of the shine is taken off of it because that one happened to be in the biggest game, right? That's tough to swallow because they're undefeated last year in the regular season. State tournament was called off. They come right back and go undefeated again in the regular season, get all the way to the state title game, and they lose. That's that's harsh. Look, I know all about that. And you've heard me, if you listen to the show enough, you heard me mention my father-in-law several times. One of the best basketball coaches I've ever been around. No bias. It's truth. He's a Hall of Famer. Locally, up in Pennsylvania, high school, you know, Hall of Fame. His last season coaching, before he retired, took his team to the Pennsylvania Quad A State title game. Back then, there were only four classes, not six, as there is now. They lost the first game of the season, won 32 straight, and then lost at the end. Great season. I mean, you look at the record, 32-2, tremendous season. Lost first game of the season, lost the last one. That last one was in the state title game. It's, it's tough. It's tough when that streak comes to an end in the biggest game of the year. So you feel, you feel for Pendleton County to win 40 straight. Just needing one more for that championship and just, just, just coming up short. But hey, Coach Ryan Lambert said, as you would expect, he's proud
5: of his guys. I, I am extremely, extremely, extremely proud of this group of kids. Uh, the discipline, the effort that I've asked for uh, from the entire locker room, uh, it, it's something special. Uh, coming into the media room here, someone said it was. They, they said it well. They said it was a pleasure watching you this this weekend. Uh, you guys do it the right way. You're classy. You're disciplined, uh, and, and I couldn't agree more. That's that's our program. That's what that's what these guys have bought into, and uh, we just fell short today. Um, our game plan, our pace, uh, worked for. About 30 minutes, 30, almost 31 minutes, uh, and in the last minute and a half, I have to give uh, I have to give man credit. They made plays and we did not. Um, so, so I have to tip my hat to them. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy for them, obviously, but uh, I'm I'm more so hurt for my kids because they deserved it. Um, with that being said, I still love them. I love them even more. I, 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 20 years from now, I, I, I will still be a part of their lives. And that love will still be there and that bond, whether we won a game today or not. So, just proud.
1: So, their season comes to an end. And much like Hampshire, which we talked about earlier in the hour, now some rebuilding starts. Hampshire has to replace six seniors. And now Coach Lambert has to replace Josh Alt. His big 6'3 center, he's a senior, he's gone. Isaiah Gardner, he's gone. And Bailey Thompson, who was named to the the all-tournament team. Bailey's gone. Tanner Townsend, who was also named to the all-tournament team. He's coming back, but he's the only one. Like, the only real contributor. So, rebuilding definitely in place uh, for Pendleton County. And take nothing away. I mean, look. (laughs) Look what they did. Forty? How many people can say they won forty straight basketball games? Just came up short at the end. Just short. Great effort though. Great effort all the way around. I'm already excited for next season, and it's only May. All right, stick around. Back to wrap things up. Cumberland's ESPN Radio.
0: This is the morning rush.
1: Before we get out of here, let's look at the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the player who finally delivered for himself? Rory McIlroy ended an 18-month drought with a one-stroke victory over Abraham Anser at the Wells Fargo Championship. Uh, McIlroy's last victory was the HSBC champions in Shanghai. On November 3rd, 2019. So the 18th, 18-month winless drought is over. Rory McIlroy, the player who delivered, uh, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Reminder, tonight the Wizards are in action. as They try to hold on to that number nine spot in the Eastern Conference. There are some other uh, happenings going on above the Wizards, particularly between the Heat and the Celtics. The Heat beating the Seas yesterday, one thirty to one twenty-four. So Miami a two-game lead over Boston for that ever-important sixth spot in the Eastern Conference. Of course, if you're in the seventh spot, you got to take part in that play-in tournament. So Miami beats the Celtics by six yesterday. They play at the Celtics again tomorrow. So the Heat with all kinds of opportunities to pretty much bury Boston and uh, take over the 6th seed. I mean, really put a stranglehold on the 6th seed and force Boston to play the 8th seed in a plan. Again, right now, Boston two games back, could be three if they lose again tomorrow. ESPN's Amber Wilson, she says that uh, it's really hard to figure out Boston, and there's one particular team, that she wouldn't want to see in the playoffs.
3: Momentum is so key. You know, we saw in the Celtics-Heat game today, I just feel like Heat are trending up, and Celtics continue to be a team you can't read. You have no idea what you're going to get from game in to game out. The only team that has really been a team that I kind of feel like something is happening in the positive way and it's consistent has been the Wizards, and it's been on the back of what Russ is doing historically right now with these triple-doubles.
1: That's right, baby, the Wizards. Shake them up. 7-3 and in their last 10. They've won two in a row. They beat Indiana in overtime on Saturday. Russell Westbrook tied the record. The big O, Oscar Robertson. For most triple-doubles in a career, who have a chance to break that record tonight when they take on the Hawks and uh, Russ after his Record tying effort Saturday, of paying some homage uh, to the Big O. To be you know in a conversation with with Oscar, for one, you, you know i want to just thank him because he he set the stage and he sacrificed a lot of things for for us to be able to go out and play. And, and the times he played in and the things he's able to he was able to do back in the day um, has allowed me to be able to be able to do the things I want to do today. And I'm just grateful for him and I'm grateful for his words and I'm so appreciative of of his support as well. And I tell you what, some of the biggest fans of the Wizards tonight will be Miami because they are tied with Atlanta right now. They're both 37 and 31. Atlanta currently has a tiebreaker, so they are in the fifth spot in the Eastern Conference. Both teams are 10 games out of, not worried about first place, but still record-wise, they're both 10 games out. So the Wizards could do Miami a solid by beating the Hawks tonight. The Cavaliers, the sorry Cavaliers, could do the Wizards a solid by beating Indiana. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. The Cavs, the only game, only team worse than Cleveland is Detroit. But Indiana has Cleveland tonight. The Wizards a much tougher task taking on the Hawks at Atlanta. Two, the first of two straight games, by the way, at Atlanta. So things getting interesting down the stretch. The Wizards coming on strong. I wouldn't want to play them. Bradley Bill had 50. Put up a 50 spot on Saturday against Indiana. Westbrook, a triple-double machine. I would not want to see Washington in the playoffs. I would not. We also look forward to the last game of the regular season. Could be something on the line. When the Wizards take on the Hornets. Because right now, the Hornets, only one game ahead of Washington for that eight spot in the Eastern Conference. So a lot to be determined in both the NBA and NHL heading down the final week of the regular season in both sports. So we will definitely keep close eye or close eyes on all of that stuff. All right, we're done. Show's over. Final hour of KJZ coming up next. Stick around for that. Enjoy the rest of your day. See you back here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp. This is a morning rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, sure.